to Chainsaws and Dits. My name is Pat Kane. To my left, my co-host, Gibby Kane. Hi. So today we're going to be covering the one of my favorite horror movies. Probably when I think of horror franchises, this one's always either one or two, uh, depending on what mood I'm in and what I've seen recently. So I'm going to say this is my favorite because it's always in contention. So it's uh, Hellraiser, Clyde Barker's Hellraiser. That's right. And if you're not familiar with it because you're a fucking swine... An unfaithful wife encounters the zombie of her dead lover. The demonic Cenobites are pursuing him after he escapes their sadomasochistic underworld. Yes. Fucking well said. Directed by Clive Barker, as you just said. That was released in 1987, um, if you want to be specific, September 10th. I don't know why you care. And with a budget of one milli. Yeah. And ended it, up making a whopping 14.6. Which for the content of the film, there was nothing kind of as, as a, it's, it's its own genre of horror. Clyde Barker's, you know, it's a mixture of body horror and supernatural stuff. It was very strange, you know. As Clive Barker is, usually, he's a weird guy. I think, um, like in regards to like the production of it, I'm thinking of it now that you were, you were kind of talking about. Um, when it was made, sort of Hammer Horror had, because this is a British production, Hammer Horror had since like long wrapped up. So this is kind of like the new, this is like the beginning, I think, of the new um, British horror uh, film industry in, in a way, because it was different tonally. Like Hammer never put out anything quite a, quite like Hellraiser before. Oh, no, definitely not. I mean, nobody had really seen anything quite like Hellraiser either. Like, it was just incredibly, like, gooey and visceral and very oh, yeah. sexy. In, like, a, in like a like BDSM sexy. Like, if you like that shit, very sexy. Very inspired by BDSM. I mean, that was a lot of, like, the draw for character design for all the Cenobites. Yeah. Obviously. I'm not sure. I don't know because we know we were trying to look up the product because they had to kind of slap together a special effects crew because this is an effects, very effects heavy movie. Bob Keen. I don't know. He's he was the right. lead um, designer or uh, actual effects. I know his name is credited and most well known for the the effects in the movie. Right. Right. Um, the great Bob King uh, designed uh, the special effects makeup for Hellraiser. And he was only in his mid 20s at the time. He'd already gotten some credits on Star Wars. Um, he'd done multiple Jim Henson movies and he'd also done Highlander. Like, I think he was, he was, uh, apprenticed under, um, another name I, I didn't recognize, but he ended up having to take over Highlander because he was, the guy was sick. Um, so he got a lot of experience on that set. And this would be the first, uh, feature film of the upstart SFX studio image animation, yeah. which Keane had co-founded, um, with, uh, Jeff Portis. Could I know? Yeah, I'm trying to think of. I and they were also young at the time. What's really cool about this movie too is, um, if you like, you know, the kind of horror movies we like, it's everything. It's it's the facial prosthetics. It's puppets. There's some stop motion in there's it. There's a lot of goo. There's it's you know every, I like it's a bit everything. Of goo. So I mean, when you're talking about just kind of something that's tonally different, also you got to remember Clyde Barker directed this one. So it would be like if H.P. Lovecraft directed the reanimator. So something that... Can, can you imagine? Yeah. This, I mean, I can't... There's not enough squids. Yeah, more squids. Um, but how just amazing that is in and of itself. I mean, he is called a genius by people that know him. 
um, in the documented documentary uh, Leviathan, which is Chronicles. It's like a Matt. You should totally watch it if you're on YouTube watching this. Go watch Leviathan after our podcast and and just you listen to everybody involved in the production except for Clyde Barker. I don't think he gives a lot of interviews. Hmm. Um, I, I don't know why if that is. I know he's got kind of a. Rasp- is he just very British? He, no, I don't think it. I think it's like he's maybe got some. I don't know if he's got voice issues. He's got a super raspy, like smoker's throat. Well, that was me all week. So maybe like he just didn't some... want to like dissect his, you know, most well-known work with like a bunch of filmmakers too. I don't know the reason why he's not involved, but he, that's the only downside to that documentary. It's fantastic. It's four and a half hours of covering the act with interviews with all the actors and both the movies, and um, I highly, highly recommend it. It's on Prime too if you have Prime as well. But why not just watch it on YouTube? I mean. Everybody can watch it then. So, um, what's next? You're gonna tell them to torrent? No, it's it's on there. I assume it's on there legally. I'll, I don't know. I will say I'm not associated with. What the fuck are you doing? I'm trying to get my my beer condom on. Uh, it's a tight fit. You're gonna make a huge fucking mess. No, I'm not careful. So anyway, um, talking about you want to talk about like because uh, we can get obviously we both love this movie so we can go any number of ways and people have probably seen it so where would you like to begin would you want to talk about like the plot breakdown or um i feel like if you haven't watched this movie you should not be watching this show like you're um excuse me a peasant but i'd be happy to go over our favorite moments yeah that's fine. Because um, I feel like you have seen this. Normally what we do is we do the full breakdown of like beat by beat by beat by beat. I don't want to. We've never done it any one way. Sometimes we go more in depth if we're watching a movie we love, like Heat. So I I'm saying, feel you know. like it. I want to just talk about favorite moments. Okay. And like I'll, I have uh, an enormous amount. I have an entire truckload. A horde. Of factoids. If you will. A, a dump. Of info. About to dump some facts on us. Okay. That's yeah. cool. So like so, go off, King, and I'll well, I supply mean, you with the knowledge. I mean, I know you said let's not break it down, but literally the first scene, the first moment, uh, is my is one of my favorites. Because, it was always yours. Yeah, it's the introduction to Frank Cotton, who is, um, he's played by three separate people in the movie, but it's the original actor that played him. Um, I can't I know everybody's name. You're talking about um. Sean Chapman. Sean Chapman. Yeah, it's it's the version of uh, the sexy Frank. I mean, if you're if you're not into flayed men, then maybe uh, the other version is. But the the hot, dirty, fingernailed uh, version of Frank Rawr. buys the uh, lament configuration for a few hundred dollars. But basically, it seems like he would have just because he found it that he he would have gotten it anyway. Clearly he was searching for it. You say lament figuration and I still am like lost on lament figuration. What the, the fuck not is figuration, that? Lament configuration. Okay. The lament configuration is I don't know if that's like the it's the puzzle itself or I think it's just the puzzle box is what he gets but it provides that um you know the cena- the uh access of the cenobites to our world if you can I mean, solve it's hell right like they're in a hell dimension it's not necessarily hell it's it's um it's kind of it's a version of hell i guess it's it's kind of like another i always look at it like when you see hellbound it's another it's a whole other dimension so um like when you see dr chenard in hellbound which we're not we didn't watch but it's basically a two-part it's a one 
it's a giant franchise, two parts basically together. But Dr. Chouinard, he's kind of like scared. But then we see him and he's kind of the opposite of Frank. Like he's like, oh, this is fucking great. Mm-hmm. I love being a Cenobite. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know if it's hell. I think it could be. I feel like it's another dimension and it's a hell dimension. That's how I view it in my mind. But because Frank desperately wants out. Julia desperately wants out when they're spoilers uh, killed and sent to, you know, hell. Yeah, it's, let's just call it hell for all intents and purposes. But I mean, it's like she. I mean, there's a point where Kirsty's like, "Go to hell," and they're like, "We'll take you with us," you know? Because it's like, yeah, yeah, that's exactly where I just came from. But that first scene where you see him, like with all the candles around him, and he's like sexually rubbing the like the center of the puzzle box, and then it does the whole thing, and the electricity comes out, and then all the spikes and chains. It's like, oh, we're in for some shit here. That's such a good scene. Um, do you, do you like that one or is there another one like earlier on that you No, I love that scene. Um, that scene is a lot of fun. That's like where you see the, um, that's where you see like the first little like animated bits of lightning, which are really silly, Yeah, but I don't mind them. Um, so I know a lot of people have talked about how shitty they are, but Clive Barker explained that due to a very limited budget, there's no money left to have the effects done professionally after the primary filming. So instead he hired some Greek guy to uh, animate the scenes by hand over a single weekend, which I mean, you do see that from time to time back in the day. Yeah. Um, so Barker also commented that he thinks that the effects turned out really well, considering the amount of alcohol that the two consumed that weekend. That's wild that they did it over a weekend. I have seen the future of horror. His name is Clive Barker. also because i just because it's just like uh, it's just so creepy and weird and it just sets up the whole um tone there's a lot of tone to this movie and the and the tone is um hard to articulate it's some it's yeah. like very british very spooky i mean you were referencing prince of darkness the other day well i was talking about it because we're well the other were, day i mean the other hour when we were watching the movie because yeah. i was thinking about how the um like how homeless fringe people like are depicted in the movie basically like um towards the end when the homeless guy walks into the fire turns into the bone demon and like flies off with it i I was gonna say that was the most rawhead rex version of like clive barker like maybe the i don't know if it was a 
good solution to that problem? Like maybe just have the have the puzzle box kind of just like get absorbed into the ground. Yeah. Or something less. There's a lot of things having we a done. bone, like skeleton, like Sam Raimi Army of Darkness thing fly away with it. I'm not sure yeah. if that was the move, but I do. It does take me to one of my favorite scenes, which is when she's working. So she gets a job. Kirsty gets a job because she has to. Oh, yeah. Earlier in the movie where she's at the pet store. Yeah. So she's working at the pet store and there's like an absolute bee of a customer asking for the manager. Fuck her. And you've got Kirsty overwhelmed and she's like, hold on. As she sees like some the same homeless guy that she kind of sees periodically throughout the movie. It like is peppered mm-hmm. in there. and We don't really know why. He's just very spooky and staring at her. And there's like the scene where his back is turned and she as she approaches, she realizes that he's just got his hand in the the crickets and he's, he's just, just noshing on down. Snacking on the crickets. It's fucking gross. Kinda like it. Don't know don't know. Not much else there to unpack. I just liked it. It was just unnerving. I mean there's just like a gross, yeah. unnerving overall tone to this whole movie, and I, I really just value it. So let me ask you this. When you think of, because I know the intention of who like the big bad guy is in the movie. Who do you see as um, the main, is there a main antagonist or how do you see the, the um, how do you see that kind of relationship between the characters broken down? Um, so I personally think that um, Julia, who is played by Claire Higgins, I think Julia is the protagonist, excuse me, antagonist. Antagonist, yeah. Where'd that come from? So I think that um, she's the antagonist. And I'll say this because she's, she's the, she starts out as like a neutral character. Mm-hmm. And then she cheats on her fiance with Frank, falls yeah. in love with Frank in like a weird, like creepy kind of way. Like she's almost like portrayed as like being a complete innocent um, like Mary Sue type when they first yes. meet and then he's, he corrupts her or something. I think she wants to be corrupted. She's very open to the idea of being corrupted and then therefore is corrupted through some really good sex, I guess. I guess that was all. It oh, took. It's all about the, it's all about sex. It's using sex as a, uh, a theme in, in it, it's the it wanting the fantasy more than and, anything because yeah. she, she's like moving into this house it's her, taboo, right? She's crossing yeah. a taboo by having sex with Frank, who's Larry's brother. And she won't stop fantasizing about it. And it's yeah. like, clearly she's clearly, very cold and miserable. Yeah, where Larry doesn't, you know, he's definitely can hold court. He's fun at parties, but he's not getting j- the job done in the in the bedroom. But he's such a nice guy. Yeah. It's like, I don't know, anyways. Um, I, I consider her to be the antagonist, the true bad guy because she helps frank she she's got that betrayal kind of in, she in starts her out right off the bat she's already a corrupted person then she goes right into murdering for him pretty quick yeah. and she starts luring these guys back to the house and then frank sucks them up and turns into turns it into goo there's straight up a like slurpy sound effect too and he's like leave get out of here and she's like kind of wants to see what's going on with it but she obviously is into it but this is why i don't know if she's into it i think she's just kind of like i think she's desperate to get frank back to the sexy frank in the end i think she's into the process of it because the murder they're sitting there at night she's sitting there with um with larry and they're watching wrestling or boxing or whatever he's like i thought you didn't like this gruesome shit i thought it made you sick and she's like i've seen wuss and it's like clearly 
she's open to the experience. It's a story about her corruption too, in a lot of ways. That's it's a story I mean, about like sense. her becoming this. It's like she hates Larry. She doesn't get. Or I think she. I think she. I has, think she hates Larry a little. She bit. has some affection for him, but she's she just doesn't want to. Like she cares. But she's, she's a still bored housewife type thing, and she's yeah. a stepmom to um, Kirsty's character, right? And she doesn't like her, so clearly there's some bad blood there. Um, it's because she's creepy, dude. I, don't I feel know like Kirsty. Like Kirsty. Kirsty and Larry didn't know about the affair with Frank. Clearly. Nobody did. Maybe Kirsty had an idea. I think she just about was it, creeped some, like, out by Julia. Intuition. Julia's just a creepy person. She like she walks around. There's like this theme of her like talking to somebody or somebody's talking to her and she doesn't say anything and she just like recedes into the shadows like a villain. Yeah. You know, I think that's weird. She's at they're at the dinner party and she doesn't kiss any she kisses like all the men except for Larry Goodnight. You know, she kind of gives him like a weird half smile. I'm interested because I know, obviously, I don't know if you're aware of this, but in the story, she is clearly the main villain, and that's the idea. But I think iconically, when it comes down, this movie gets lumped in with all those 80s, 70s, early oh, 90s slashers. horror slashers. Yeah. Even though, and then and then obviously the franchise turns into a shit show where it's all about Pinhead and the Cenobites, but it's <laughs> clearly about her. this movie and Hellbound are clearly about the evil that, you know she is doing and frank is doing so i don't think the sequel is bad by the way i just want to throw that out there I what kinda, hellbound i do kind of like the sequel hellbound's amazing but yeah. hell world and everything thereafter sucks mm, yeah. when they go into like the deep dive of like who pinhead was and wasn't he like a like a military well like... they, they kind of hint at it in the second one there was a whole because hellbound i don't know if you know this is kind of, I guess, a twofer, even though we didn't watch it. But Hellbound's budget was, I guess, uh, supposed to be much more substantial because of the success of the first one. But I guess uh, during the exchange of money between oh. America and uh, England, there was some Black Tuesday or some bad stock day. So the budget lost a substantial amount of money. Bullshit. So the effects, um, all that stuff. They were going to shoot a bunch of stuff with Doug Bradley's character which I don't know what his human name is, but he was like um, in like the, not the French foreign legion, but he was a British officer or yes. something of some sort. They, they kind of talk about it a bit more because he didn't, he forgets he's like a human. Yeah. Cause the more time you spend, the more you forget about it. I know that, um, I know that the film was originally supposed to be called hellbound heart. The story, the short story was The Hellbound Heart. And um, after the novella that it yeah. was based on. And the studio decided that the title surrounded, it sounded too much like a romance, which I kind of understand because Clyde Barker, I mean, I do feel like he's kind of a romantic writer, much like, I mean, not to lump him in with H.P. Lovecraft, who is a very um, well, no, complicated I mean, You know what? It, there, when you talk about writers and personal mm. lives, you could say all sorts of things. I think Clyde Barker, he is a unique voice and i get what you're saying he he did like i think he was very salty about it and he like was like why not what a what a woman will do for a good fuck was the alternative title (laughs) well that's not gonna fly hellraiser is a good compromise if you're gonna pick between like a daniel Steele title and then the title of like a hardcore porn on like (laughs) you know 
Oh yeah. Well, they they had wanted like so the studio gave a bunch of like feedback about what they thought needed to be changed, and mm-hmm. they were like, "Why not make Pinhead?" First of all, Clyde Barker was not into Pinhead. He was like, "That's a fucking um, no." I think bad the, bad name. I think um, he did not vibe on that. But the the producers were like. Why not make him more like Freddy or why not make him right. like crack jokes and why not make him more stoic like Michael? Why not? So it's like a, there was a lot of feedback. But in the end, um, the the idea was that it, the character would be named Priest. Yeah. Um, in earlier drafts. What was the name of the what's the fat centibite? What's his butterball? Like, butterball. So butter. I should know that. I drew them like as a for Halloween. Butterball, chatterer, but deep throat. In the in the story. Oh, deep throat. Yeah. Oh, cool. I didn't know that. I was trying to find the name of that character when of I was the, drawing of the them. woman. Of the woman. Yeah. And, well, and I think just, it was she's more credited of... on her action figure. She's the female centibite. So I'm well, like, well, I think that Clive lame. preferred female centibite, um, but I think they, deep as throat. a joke, said yeah. deep throat. Well, they were. I think butterball. So I think all those names were deep throat. I think in the story, butterball is actually the leader and does most of the speaking. I don't mm-hmm. think he. I don't think butterball has any lines in them. He might have some. No, he he did, but because of the makeup, he wasn't really able to able talk. To so they ended up giving all the lines to pinhead and um deep throat yeah and of course chatterer can't talk either well no he just kind of does the jaw vibration yeah he was talking about how hard he's kind of my favorite that is to do like the the and i i can kind of do it but you have to be able to like because there's makeup mounted to his face so he has to have that chattering where it looks like teeth chattering and his mouth is like wide open too it's really interesting but um yeah, I um, I'm definitely interested in in uh, Frank as a character, as the main antagonist because he is unredeemable. He is the main. He's, he's like pure evil. There's really not much to unpack there, which in my mind makes him kind of a boring. He's character. not. He's not as interesting. Yeah, he's if you're gonna talk about like a like a boring, just pure evil for evil's sake, um, he's pretty flat. But he's also kind of like you can't. He's on the things he does are unspeakable, which I think is, you know, not interesting per se, but definitely is like the driving force of the plot is just kind of like what he's willing to do. He goes and finds it. He is resurrected somewhat by accident, really. I mean, mm-hmm. by just a simple, you know, not a simple, it was a pretty deep fucking It was a pretty hand. deep cut. That's kind of the one of the gnarlier ones because you were saying like, Seeing a fish hook fly through the wall or and, and into somebody's <laughs> hand is less bad than seeing like a nail scrape the top because that's more plausible. That could actually fucking. Happen. I think everybody can relate to an accident by that description. So yeah. Stay chained to the screen because here's what we have for you. Get hooked on a Hellraiser T-shirt. We want you to hang in there. A Hellraiser thermos or mug. They're great for pouring something tasty down your tonsils. Hellraiser sweatpants and sweatshirts. Perfect attire, even if you're up against the wall. So talking about Frank, the, uh, the monster. Uh, gladly. So Oliver Smith plays, so there are two actors who play we a- Frank. We've got... Frank the Monster, which is Oliver Smith, and then we have Sean three. Chapman. Technically, there's three. During the whole finale, it's he's played by Andrew Robinson. 
When oh, he, oh he, yeah. okay, okay, okay. The, some of the most iconic Frank lines are not uttered by either. Jesus wept. Wept. Come to daddy. Enough um, of this cat and mouse shit. I'm excited to talk about Andrew Robinson, whom I feel like I didn't really appreciate as an actor until very recently because I finally finished um, well, Deep not, Space. We finished Deep Space Nine like last year, I guess within la- like within the last. To them, it's six- recent. I mean, we haven't talked about it within ever. a six month gap. Yeah, we we finally finished it. Whatever. So we finally finished Deep Space, and as we all know, so Andrew Robinson plays Garrick, <laughs> who is. The tailor of Deep Space Nine and also a Cardassian secret agent. A great character in his own right. Um, but, oh, and Oliver Smith, he's the one that has to fucking do a lot of the heavy lifting with the character because he's in the muck. Fucking KY Jelly and Latex. Latex and Lube. I mean, delivers a great a lot of condoms. Yeah. I mean, I utter respect to that to that man for for what he was able to do. Um, oh, he's so gross. There's like the scene where he turns to Julia after he like kind of gets all his nerves back, and he's just. I looked at the his hands, and they're just like dripping in oh, lubricant. I'm like, hmm. How uncomfortable that must be. Yummy. As a person that suffers from uh, severe <laughs> eczema, when I see any actor with like that much uh, latex and shit on their body, I'm just like, wow. Just to be able to like stand that is amazing. I do really love his performance. I mean, he carries the shit on his shoulders. We're bouncing a bit all over the place, but just talking about the character Frank, he, you know, he's he's kind of when it comes to the the movie and of the overall franchise, he's pretty important. I mean, if you're going to talk about the titular Hellraiser, it could be argued that any number of the characters are the Hellraiser, but he, you know, he's the first one. He's the one that calls them first. And has to pay the price, and he's the one they're chasing kind of the whole time. So, oh, I wouldn't say that they're chasing him. They didn't even notice that he was missing, which is kind of weird, right? It's a little weird. I guess, I guess because yeah, how they're busy, you know, they got a lot on their minds. Well, because how? So the idea is you'd have to spill blood on the location where they died, like a reverse blood sacrifice. It feels like an oversight. I'm not gonna lie to you. Yeah, like blood for blood type deal, but. I'm sure it's explained in the story a bit more, but I, but that's what makes, I'm just speaking as only seeing the movie. That's what makes sense to me is there was a blood for blood sacrifice to sort of bring, cause it's like you look under the floorboards and it's like a heart bag mm-hmm. kind of deal is the first thing. So hellbound heart, you know, it kind of all makes sense. But, um, I, uh, of the, of the three, um, I think Sean Cotton has it the best because he gets to just, you know, make out with babes and be sexy the whole time. Sure. Speaking of babes, you want to talk about Ashley Lawrence? Yeah. He doesn't make out with her, though. He w- he really wants to. He really wants to. Well, he's a pervert. Hmm. Um, I think Ashley Lawrence is lovely. She's I great. especially enjoyed seeing her when they covered this on Joe Bob's Last Drive-In. She was a guest, right? She was a guest. Yeah. And she is quite weird. And I like Super her a lot. Weird. She's yeah. so weird. I think she's a fine artist mainly now, right? She does art now where she paints things that are strange. And she was in like, wasn't she in like a, like a Flonase commercial or something? Or like, was she? I don't she know. She was in one of those weird, like she, she did some, obviously she's, you know, she did acting early. But if possible, you better like include a, that shit in here. A national like a uh, Flonase allergy commercial where she falls in love with like a germ or something. What? Yeah. I, remember, I do not recall. I remember this. looking that up. It was all insert. If I can find the clip, I will insert it. You here. better. So, um, 
yeah that was great um and you know i i do kind of want to talk about um doug bradley because obviously an icon yeah he's on the fucking po- he's the titular uh you know pinhead man he is the character not in this, he's not titular pinhead in this i'm sure pinhead's is like the name of one of those other shitty remakes it's probably in the name pinhead strikes back i just disregard them (laughs) (laughs) i pretend that they're not real so um during rehearsals clive barker told doug bradley who at the time was more used to working in theater he was in his uh theater company right to subdue his movements uh, clive barker's theater company that's how they all knew each other yeah right those brits and their theater clive barker did all the special effects for the and they did like weird fucked up plays that he wrote like of course they did like and they'd have weird special effects and drawings and Clyde Barker's an artist as well as a writer. And, um, yeah, was, I saw some images of him. I'll try to, if I can find some, I'll put them in here from the, some of his productions. I gotta get my dirty little mitts on some of that. Yeah. Um, so what I like about this is, so Doug Bradley was talking to Clive Barker and asked how he should play Pinhead. And Barker told him to think of him as a cross between an administrator and a surgeon who's responsible for running a hospital where there are no words, only operating theaters, as well as being the man who wields the knife. So he's the man who has to keep the timetable going. And he revealed that the two decided early that Pinhead was formerly human. So this was like something that they crafted together, which Mm -hmm. I feel like makes this a little bit more interesting yeah no absolutely because it's you're taking um like you think of horror movies right and and they are so often a just they're easy to produce they are very under blood and guts tits you know the name of our show is a is a provocative they're provo- tits. a provocative genre and his movie the thing he's making is pro- but there's like some deep underlying themes about sexuality and you know life after death and all these things and it's so cool to have a filmmaker who he basically could have sold the rights like he did with rawhead rex and just have somebody make all of his stories and not give a shit which he's done in the past mm-hmm. you know rawhead rex which we'll cover at some point in the future i love that movie yeah, maybe but I'll, um I'll he see. wanted to do movies his way and um i think that's really interesting to hear that he was like collaborative yeah um, well i think they that's a thing artists you know when you collaborate on something you you work through something and you can end up coming up with a better idea than it was formally you know i think i think there comes from just the crafting filmmaking is a collaborative medium so if you're just going to be like you know trying to get your actors to just say the words exactly how you have them in your mind you're going to get a very if you're really funny and really talented maybe you can just use your actors as hand puppets but i think it's it's good when you're like let's be collaborative but you have a strong vision you know he's a genius so at the end of the day it's his call with what it's going to be and i think he had a lot of freedom actually that goes into why the movies were franchised Mm. um he wanted a ton of freedom with hellraiser and hellbound that he was willing to you know basically sell his soul and that's why we have a bunch of really shitty uh hellraiser movies is because the producers were like oh we can fucking milk this one there's so many shitty ones it's honestly it's kind of annoying i wonder if he regrets that decision at all or if because he wanted to just do i think the fans who are are you know discerning you can you know as soon as hellraiser comes out you're like oh yeah there's an immediate 
without his involvement, there's an immediate drop off in quality. Yeah, definitely. And, I uh, mean, I watched the recent one. I was like, what is this? Yeah. But if he did, maybe didn't have the freedom to be as like, um, you know, do whatever he wants with uh, Hellraiser, maybe we wouldn't have had two good movies. Maybe we just would have had one kind of shitty one and everybody would have moved on and it wouldn't have been as iconic as it is. Yeah, I mean, the producers wanted to do... I mean, the producers always want to do a bunch of shit that never makes any sense. Well, they, they were just... I mean, like, think of that investment. They made a $1 million investment, and they're immediately like, oh, recouped it on the first one, and then ever... I mean, I think it'd be interesting to look at the box office totals for all the Hellraiser movies and mm-hmm. see, like, the diminishing returns of those. Um, I know we've watched all of them at least once. Um, yeah, some I, of those I are... am kind of excited for this new one. I, I do... I mean, the third one is hard to watch for a lot of reasons, but I do like the scene where they're all in the cr- in the club. And it's like the Well, it becomes the basically CD just a big... Bite. Yeah, it, be, it becomes just an over... Let's kill as many people as... Like, mass I kind of enjoyed that. Shit. I mean, I'm not going to lie. There was a good scene, but the rest of it... As opposed to building up trash. characters that, in, that deserve, you know, mm-hmm. their comeuppance, yeah. you know. So... Um, we're kind of a bit all over the place there with that, but this is a, you know, it's one of my favorites and I, and I like it a lot. Is there any other ask? So we kind of talked about Frank talked a little bit about Larry. We talked a little bit about Kirsty. Is there any other care and pinhead? Um, we talked about Julia. We talked about yeah. kind of, I think we've covered pretty much everybody in this. Up yeah. in this bitch. Claire Higgins. I think she, she's a really interesting cause she was like a serious actress. She was one of those actresses that her agent was like, you really want to do like, she did not fucking... care for horror no. when she was there for the opening screening. She could only stay for about 10 minutes and then she did. She's the main, she's kind of the main bad guy. She which was is like, really funny. She was horrified by it. I know. Yeah. Um, you gotta wonder like, uh, that actress that plays Jason Voorhees, mom, like, I remember she got her address put on blast when she was uh, appeared in it. And she's like, I don't even want to be in this thing. And the press is ripping me apart. Cause she was like a respected actress too. Oh, right. And I think there's a history of like serious actors being in horror movies that get derided by the press for appearing in them. But then they offer so much to them. They, they legitimize the movie. I mean, f- fuck those assholes for thinking that there's anything uh, there's, there's anything lowbrow about horror. Cause yeah. there's not. And going back to Andrew Robinson, he was kind of like the most experienced film actor. I mean, he was in fuck. He was the uh, killer in um, Dirty Harry. Oh yeah. yeah, I always forget about that. He's he's the. Uh, oh yeah. He's he's the main bad guy in that. So he so they were like stoked when when um, he showed up on set. Um, and we talked about his you know appearance. I think probably most people know him for for uh, Dirty Harry, but. He was the most experienced film actor. He had a mm-hmm. lot of Clyde Barker had a lot of theater people. Mm-hmm. First time director. He relied heavily on Andrew Robinson for um, just kind of some guidance on making making movies. And that was the right choice because that motherfucker yeah. knew what's up. Well, I think he had a lot of Clyde Barker had a lot of ideas, and then it was kind of he helped filter some of the stuff, like some of the most iconic lines. Um, uh, I've had enough of this cat, enough of this cat and mouse uh, mouse shit. Yeah, and. Um, and Jesus wept and come, come to, daddy. to daddy. Those were all improv that he came up with on set. He's like, this will play really well. He's just good, man. He's just, I just He's feel great. like when you get a group of creatives who work together really well, who are very creative, who um, understand the assignment and who can contribute additional material and know when to pull back and edit. That's how you get magic. Yep. Absolutely. He has the power to shock you. 
to take you beyond the limits of earthly terror. Hellraiser, a film by Clive Barker. We have such sights to show you. So I'm getting a pinhead tattoo next month. I'm very excited. Yeah, that's going to be great. You're getting like the face from the first poster, right? I'm going to go viral right now. Check that shit out. Yeah. You're a little self-conscious of the tits. When I wear t-shirts, it's just... Well, hopefully if we go to Monster Palooza this year, Cassandra Peterson will come out of retirement and you can show her that. She has been there before, but the line was around the building. I think we probably talked about that line. We wanted to talk to her, but it was I would have loved to, but I didn't have time. I had other shit I wanted to do. I I do regret not talking to Barb Crampton, though. That is something I'm going to take to the grave. And there was like just some like fuck boy talking to her, and I could tell that she was like just being very, very polite. And she's an angel. Well, because they make a lot of those fucking celebrities make so much money off. He was just like signatures. I feel like he was irritating her, but she was being extremely polite about it, and just was like smiling and just lovely and just angelic as she is. But if I had just, I think about it, if I had just swept in there, it would have been better. Oh, well. But I did get to talk to William Stout, and that was very fucking cool. Yeah. I, I really want to do, I'm really excited to do that show, do more war conventions, um, hopefully this year, with things getting a little, well, we're, we're in the shit right now. We'll see, dude. I, I don't know. I don't count on it. I don't count on anything. Well, it's good not to count on it. It's good not to hope. Yeah. But I am still hope, because, you know, I miss doing things like that, seeing special effects and, and being done in person and meeting, you know. There's just so many great props. Oh yeah, it's great. So, um, but I am interested in doing Hellbound at some point. I don't know if we'll do it for the next episode, but um, again, watch that movie Leviathan. It's on YouTube. Goes in depth on everything. It's where I learned a lot. So, um, what else do you want to talk about? I got nothing over here. Just looking at the sweet little cat in the background. Got a new cat. Well, for now. She's making me need to sneeze a little bit. She's a little dandery. She's like, why the fuck? This is her like little room. And now she hangs we've out We've kind here. of taken it over for the show. She liked but it, though. She She's excited to have company. She's not lonely. She's having friends over. Yep. All right, everybody. Well, um... Uh, we could keep going, but I think we'll stop right there. Quit while um, we're ahead. Um, if you want, go ahead and give us a follow on cha- at Chainsaws and Tits on Instagram as well as Twitter. Um, we don't post a lot, but we're always watching. And if you're on YouTube, you know, think about subscribing, ring the bell. You'll get new episodes probably first that way. And um, if you have any recommendations, uh, if you have any thoughts, if you have any opinions about our brand new spanking set, yeah. Feel free to give us an email. One uh, of the things we had a lot of lights. Chainsaws at gmail.com. Oh, yep. Yeah, sorry. So we had a lot of lights and like effects going on in the background for space truckers. And then when I started editing, I was realized, oh, what's that high pitch keening sound? And it was all the fucking lights we had. It was the TV. It was, I think it was the TV. We had another like light over there, but we got it looked cool. Tests. It did look good, but the recording but fucking got awful. ruined. So. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Which I think is for the best, honestly. Space Truckers. It was a bad episode, Pat. Bad episode. <laughs> it was we, really we bad. Tried. We tried to make it good. But it was a lot of like, you know. It's okay. It sucked. So the next episode will probably be uh, some David Cronenberg. I'm going to make you watch a David Cronenberg movie. I mean, I liked the Brandon Cro- Cronenberg uh, possession. Which is fine. You didn't it's, like it. I don't it's know all why. right. I thought it was good. It was weird. It was good. I think I was in a bad place when we were watching that movie. We were watching it like... 
We watched then, it with Donato's Pizza in my parents' dining room. But we had like a lot of house stuff going on and personal shit, and it was not a good time. I need to rewatch it. I need to give it its day in court. I thought it was oddly very feminine. Like, I kind of liked it. So, but we're going to be doing David Cronenberg, babe. What do you think, Nick? Totsie? Cheddar Goblin? They're on board. You guys like all this shit? Look at all that cool stuff. I found a ghoulie at this store, like an actual ghoulie from the movie Ghoulies. The one that's in like the toilet. So I'm going to get that for the set. I don't know where I live, Put but a bunch of somewhere. shit back there. Yeah. Um, all right, everybody. Well, it's been real, and we'll be back with a new episode soon. We'll see you freaks later. Yeah.